I'm always traveling and scouting, looking for new distilleries, new craft brewers, and I have found a great one today. Tank Brewing Company, Doral, Florida. We are in their massive tasting room, very close to the Miami International Airport. Mo, give us a history of Tank Brewing Company. Got a great story. Sure thing. So the Tank Brewing Company is a obviously a local craft brewery. It's independently and family owned. Uh, we're located here in Miami, Florida. We've been open, I believe, for about four years now. Sorry if I uh, forget. It's been a, it's been a wild ride. But uh, you know, we uh, started from day one, just trying to make really high quality, consistent uh, craft beer for our local community that really reflected our you know local multicultural Florida environment, South Florida, Miami environment. Well, I have a mutual, we both have a mutual friend, acquaintance, Carlos Padron, who I've known for many years, and I remember when he called me and he said, Dave, we're starting a brewing company. I'm going to send you a sample of beer. Wasn't even available in cans back then. He had to come up with a, uh, a special container. What do they call those? The uh, Probably a growler. The growlers. Thank you. Yes, the growlers. And he said, it's called our Freedom Tower. Mm-hmm. And I said, great. Let me try it. Came into Tampa. I took a sip called him. I said, Carlos, you, my friend, have a winner on hand. It is phenomenal. And you've expanded greatly since then. So let's talk about when you, four years ago you started. My understanding is you've grown exponentially since then. When you started, what kind of an operation was it? What beers were you making and, and what was your volume? Sure. So, you know, we always started with the intention to distribute for sure. And we always wanted to have on-site consumption at the bar and the restaurant. Um, and distribution to our local community was definitely paramount and eventually statewide and further as far as, as far as we could go, obviously. Um, one of the things I'm really proud of is actually our portfolio hasn't changed. That Freedom Tower you're mentioning is still 60% of our sales. It's still one of our lead beers. So. Really? Yeah. So it does really well for us. Um, and, and since then, we've introduced other beers into the core lineup. Um, we do focus on our specialties, but we're definitely a brewery that's focused on producing our core beers um, consistently and with the highest quality possible. So. Mo, as the head brewer here at the Tank Brewing uh, Company, BIC as I call you, Brewer-in-Chief, tell us about your background. How did you get into becoming a brewer? Sure. So, um, you know, I grew up with a very multicultural background. You might hear my uh, name, Mo, is short for Mohsen. It's a Lebanese name. I'm French and Lebanese, and I grew up here in Miami, Florida, which is definitely not white. So, you know, I got exposed to a lot of really good food and different cultures growing up and spent a lot of time in the hospitality industry here. beer and bars. I was a bartender, basically, server for years, over 10, 12 years, um, and struggled to figure out what I wanted to do outside of high school and college, and then in, kind of just fell into this. I picked up homebrewing as a hobby, thought it was the coolest thing ever that I could, you know, brew beer, uh, found that there was a homebrewing class at Florida International University, and I took that and haven't really stopped since, was lucky enough to get offered the job here, and uh, yeah, very, very happy with, uh, you know, <laughs> how things turned out, because it definitely wasn't planned, but um, definitely, you know, it's, it's a very cool industry because I have a passion for science, I have a passion for artistic creativity, and uh, there's very few industries where you could get to combine both of those things together and, and put out a product that's as fun as this. I've noticed talking to many people that are in the brewing industry now, working for craft brewers, even large brewers, many of them got their start because they were number one brewing aficionados. Uh, or beer aficionados. And number two, they started with one of those home brewery kits. I think there's yeah. like the beer, what is it, like those beer keg or whatever yeah. that you can buy. And incredibly, the number of people that started with something as very simple as that, uh, where it's turned into a profession, and now the number of colleges that are actually offering courses in brewing and distilling has exploded expo- exponentially the last 10 years. Definitely. I mean, you know, obviously local and, and hyper-local businesses and, and supporting local businesses is very popular. It's more popular than ever. 
Um, and, you know, craft brewing is, is all about that. It's all about, you know, supporting your local community, brewing beer for them. And it's, it's really a very grassroots thing where people start brewing beer at home or, you know, and they just start, you know, all these beers that you're about to taste today, most of them, almost all of them are my homebrew recipes. So that we've just expanded now. So we went from brewing five, you know, gallon batches to thousand gallon batches. So When you started home brewing, tell us about your experience. Did you buy a kit? Did you trial and error? Did your family think you were nuts, <laughs> uh, you know, having this beer fermenting in a jug or whatever the case may be? Yeah, so we have a very young beer industry and culture down here. Um, obviously, a lot of Miami is, is very uh, central and, and South American. And uh, a lot of the people that come here are immigrants. So they might not have as much of an experience like Colorado does and California does with people brewing beer locally. So it's definitely something that was something new here. Um, you know, this is less than 10 years old here in Miami, Florida. Uh, when I started brewing, uh, definitely was like very small batch stuff. And a lot of people were just like, their first question was, is that even legal? I didn't know you could do that. So, you know, it was, it was definitely a struggle at the beginning to, uh, you know, find the ingredients and stuff. And, and things have changed a lot, thankfully. And, you know, this is a very fast growing industry and a very unique one. So, yeah, um, it's, it's, it was definitely an interesting, an inter- interesting start for sure. Tell us about your very first homebrew. My very first homebrew was a uh, Hefeweizen. Um, so I was working in the bar industry at the time, of course. And, you know, my big goal was to, you know, obviously I was exposed to beer. And once I found out I could brew it, I was like, all right, I need, I need to make beer that is good enough to put on tap here. That was my goal. So I brewed, uh, my first beer was definitely a Hefeweizen. It came out pretty good. I wonder if I, at the time, I wonder if I go back and out, would I think it was straight garbage. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was successful. Obviously gave beer to friends and I've always brewed mostly for other people. And now your first Hefeweizen, when you gave that to friends, what did they say? Uh, people enjoyed it, you know, I mean, whether they were being nice or not, or whether they actually enjoyed it, who knows, it's been so long. Uh, I, I make it a point not to ask people so they don't have to feel forced to lie, but yeah, you know, thankfully, uh, we've gotten a good response in general, so can't com- yeah, can't complain about the response. One of my favorite cigars has always been the Avo Classic Number 2. You can never go wrong with it. 6x50 Toro, or the number three, which is a double Corona, seven and a half inches in length with a 50 ring gauge. The Avo Classic, just a phenomenal, smooth, balanced cigar. Well, Avo has reintroduced the Classic Maduro. Same binder and filler as the Avo Classic, but with a Connecticut broadleaf, rich, deep wrapper. Smooth, creamy, flavorful, Not overpowering, but just pleasant. It's a change of tempo, if you will. Avo, always known by his music. The Avo Classic Maduro, definitely a change of tempo. It has been reintroduced, and it is out, available now in stores. Try the Avo Classic Maduro, available at DavidoffGeneva.com. Hefeweizen. Many people may not be familiar with it. I love it. To me, it's a beautiful, mild, flavorful beer, not overpowering traces its roots back to Germany. Let's talk about what is a Hefeweizen for those for those alphas that may not be familiar with that style of beer. Yeah, definitely. So Hefeweizen is a classic German ale. So most of the beer being brewed in Germany is lager. Um, it's what they're honestly most famous for, and one of the few exceptions to that is Hefeweizen. Uh, Hefeweizen literally translates to Hef is yeast, Weizen is wheat, um, and they make these wheat beers that still have a little bit of yeast in suspension. You know, for those of you who don't know, yeast is what makes alcohol for whether it's uh, whiskey, wine, beer, you need yeast to make ethanol. So, um, yeah, you typically have the yeast in solution, and it's a very, it's a summer, it's a very refreshing summer beer. So it's, it's definitely a go-to. In fact, my first beer that wasn't a, a Heineken or a large beer was Schneiderweiss, which is a Bavarian Hefeweizen. 
You've got to say it like the German Schneiderweiss. I'm going to have some Schneiderweiss. Yeah. I'm not going to even attempt that, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely, I'll just stick to brewing it. But yeah, I find that wheat beers have become more popular. I think many people don't necessarily want an India Pale Ale. They don't want something that's fully powerful, sure. especially in the summer. We're in the summer months. People want something that's refreshing, that's drinkable. Hefeweizen is one of those little sleepers that people really enjoy. Any wheat beer, really. Definitely. I mean, and in summer months, we have 12 months of summer here in Miami. So, you know, uh, def- people want refreshing beer for sure. And, you know, it's a great entry-level beer as well. Um, sometimes beer can be a little uh, extreme. You know, it's, it's people trying to... to break the norm and trying to break the rules and be rebellious so um you know beer can be a little extreme and people will go that route but a lot of times too people want you want to get somebody converted from drinking their typical beer to what they normally drink to something new that's more flavorful hefeweizen is always a good start you know there's we, we make a lot of very approachable beers as well so gurkha cigars has always been known for exquisite cigars impeccable packaging and gurkha launched last summer the gurkha nicaragua series their first ever Nicaraguan Puro. It uses an all-Nicaraguan tobacco blend. Top to bottom, a Corojo 99 wrapper over dual Corojo 99 binders and a Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 filler. What does that mean? You get medium to full-bodied taste, nice peppery notes, spicy finish. It is the Gurkha Nicaraguan Series 100% Nicaraguan Puro, 100% full-bodied flavor. Give the Gurkha Nicaraguan series a try. Check out the entire Gurkha line at GurkhaCigars.com. Mosadi head brewer, our guest on the Bold Alpha podcast, Tank Brewing Company, Doral, Florida. Fantastic craft brewer. Mo, when we look at the expansion of tank brewing, you started small. Now I'm looking, I understand you've even added more tanks. What is your capacity here at Tank Brewing? So uh, huh, I'm going to have to do a quick math on that. So we've changed a few things. You know, a lot of capacity has to do with the, uh, the, the recipes that you're brewing. Some recipes take longer, some are shorter. But, you know, we could get a good, with the new expansion we did, we could easily get 6,000 barrels. You know, if it wasn't for COVID-19, we were easily going to break 5,000 barrels. Sorry, to translate, a, a brewer's barrel is 31 gallons. So, you know, if we brew 30-barrel batches, that's roughly 1,000 gallons. We have 12 tanks that we could do that, plus a lot of smaller tanks. So yeah, we could do 6,000 barrels a year, probably a year. Um, things have slowed down, obviously, with the pandemic. But, you know, we've been focusing more on direct-to-consumer special releases. Uh, and it's helped. It's, it's, you know, as, as rough as it's been the past couple months, I have to say that I, don't, I feel like our, our, our relationship with our consumers and our local market has never been better. When we look at the styles of beer that you've brewed here at Tank Brewing, from the time you started with the Freedom Tower, how has it evolved? Have you gotten more full-flavored? Have you gotten more experimental? Tell us about the progression of the actual different brews and the recipes, if you sure. will. Well, definitely I, one of the things I'm really proud of is that the recipes really haven't changed. I mean, you know, um, I'd like to say that we're, we're more consistent, but I, I wouldn't say the recipes change as much as I feel like we're brewing a better version of Freedom Tower than we were as homebrewers. But uh, I'm very proud of the fact that we had a... Not a lot of breweries put out a core beer in it and stick to it and, and the res- where the core, the portfolio doesn't change. Our portfolio has been pretty consistent over time. So, um, definitely, I mean, really what's changed the most is the scale. I mean, 2018, we were the 38th fastest growing brewery in the country. Um, we grew 42% last year over the previous year and we just started launching cans last year. And that's a big business for us now. Um, you know, a good 60 to 70% of the beer you're going to sell in the future is cans. You know, we just launched, so we're still 80% draft. So, 
just by keeping our draft and, and adding that, that can market is going to be huge. We just got into Publix. We just got into Winn-Dixie. Publix is a big grocery store down here, for those of you who don't know. Um, we're in Total Wines. So we're in a lot of big stores. And uh, honestly, we're, we're also very, we get a lot of support from small local operations as well, family-owned bars and businesses. Cans compared to bottles. More beer sold in cans than bottles? Yes, for craft beer, for sure. Cans is the future, 100%. Um, for a long time... Why it, is it the future? You know, for a long time, bottles were kind of looked down, uh, were looked up upon, cans were looked down upon, right. of, of course. Um, the, the big thing is that, to be honest, if it's more about the brewery that's packaging it, what the quality of the beer inside of it is. So if the same brewery is doing a good job, you should get the same quality beer in a can, same in a bottle. A lot of people have this misconception that, you know, it'll taste like metal. It's honestly a misconception. There's a barrier inside where no metal touches the can. And in fact, the beer would corrode through the can if it was touching it. So it's a, it would be a big issue. Um, the, the big issue, the big thing with cans is that honestly, it's, uh, it's easier to transport. You, it, it, you can stack it more on a shelf at a grocery store. Our customers want cans, especially in Miami. You can take it to the beach. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to worry about glass bottles. So yeah, a can is definitely, you know, where it's at going forward. Uh, I, I don't. Um, the bottle, the bottle thing is is really more for really like high end, sophisticated, special release beers. Like some of the stuff we're going to be tasting today is in bottles, but you know what we're distributing is, is cans. There's always that misconception that glass, the beer must taste fresher or it, 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 it tastes more pure, where cans, people looked and said, well, maybe it's the cheaper beers, but from what we just learned, that's not the case at all. And the nice thing is cans don't break. Yeah, you know, there's a longer history of bottles, of course, and uh, just the technology of canning is, I, I forgot, but, you know, canning is less than 100 years old, so uh, the technology has changed significantly over time, and we've gotten better at canning. At this point, I would say that it's really up to the individual brewery and how they're doing their job and how their process is. It's not a black and white thing. It's a very gray area. You know, just not to get too sciencey, but one of the biggest things that we measure is dissolved oxygen. We call it DO. And there's a direct correlation between how much dissolved oxygen is in your package and what your shelf life for your beer is. And that's really the big determinant of what, you know, other than contamination and cleanliness and stuff like that, that's going to be a big determinant of your shelf life and the quality of your beer. One of the premier cigar manufacturers, cigar blenders, cigar tobacco growers, A.J. Fernandez, based in Nicaragua, has farms all over the country, magnificent factory, produces excellent cigars, huge portfolio. One of the brands that he released, the New World Oscuro by A.J. Fernandez, a full-flavored powerhouse. It is a beast of a cigar, beast in a good way, meaning you're going to get a lot of flavor, a lot of zestiness, a lot of richness, a ton of spice, dark Nicaraguan Oscuro wrapper, Jalapa binder, the filler from three regions in Nicaragua, Condega, Esteli, and Ometepe. What's special about Ometepe? It's a volcanic island. There was a volcano right on the island, and consequently, the lava that flowed out of that, uh, that, that, that area, that volcano, yielded incredible richness to the soil. Great natural fertilizer, and it produces an incredible taste. So if you're looking for a cigar that is loaded with richness, loaded with spice, loaded with flavor, that's box-pressed, the New World Oscuro by A.J. Fernandez. You can't go wrong. And in fact, it also comes in a Connecticut and a Cameroon, and the Cameroon New World is the Cigar Dave Officers Club selection for August. So all members will be receiving three fantastic New World Cameroons. Very difficult wrapper to work with. Very 
tough wrapper to obtain, but it yields an incredible taste. So if you're looking for a medium-flavored cigar with some nice spiciness, sweetness, the New World Cameroon, if you want a full-flavored box-press powerhouse, the New World Oscuro by A.J. Fernandez, AJFCigars.com. Continuing our conversation with Mo Saudi, head brewer, brewer in charge at Tank Brewing Company, Durrell, Florida, right near Miami International Airport on the Bold Alpha podcast. Mo, when you go to create, I saw your lab over yeah. in the back of the brewery, and there's a lot of formulations you've got going on back there and labels and so on. When you get ready to create a new beer, tell us the process, how you do it, where you get your inspiration. Are you trying for different tastes, flavors, styles? Sure. I've always seen our portfolio kind of like imagine a, uh, uh, a puzzle and each beer is like a little individual puzzle piece that fits into the whole. So I always want, you know, I'm always trying to create unique flavor profiles, things that work with the portfolio and obviously things that our consumers will appreciate. Usually the process is we'll, we'll find something that we want to brew. I'll talk to the guys. We'll come up with some concepts. We'll put together a recipe and we'll brew it. The lab. What's great about the lab is it really allows us to ensure the quality of our package. So we're, I believe we're the only, one of the few breweries, at least down here in South Florida, and nationwide craft breweries our size don't have labs like we do. We're really lucky. Um, I'm very thankful that you know, Carlos Yoner was committed to quality in the package because that's super important to me as a brewer, as you can imagine. Um, but it really allows us to pinpoint if we have any contamination issues, if our beer quality is consistent, the shelf life's on point so that, you know, the people who are drinking the beer are going to be happier. And a lot of these things people don't see in the back end, but it's incredibly important. You hit it right on the head because I've been to many boutique brewers. They don't have that sophisticated lab. So that really allows you to maintain consistency. And let's face it, when somebody buys a brand, I don't care if it's toothpaste, if it's beer, if it's a cigar, if it's uh, any product, they always want to know when they purchase it, it's the same consistency and taste 100%. every time. And you have the unique ability to do that. Yeah, we definitely don't have the luxury of some, uh, like, for example, winemakers are like, you know, or... Our 06 was great, our 08 right. sucked, I'm sorry, but you know, the season's changed and shit happens, right? Uh, you know, we deal with a lot of those things too. There's, uh, the hops that we grow are very affected by climate, for example, and it's an organic process. And you know, we have, uh, there's some limitations to our, the amount of control that we have. So, but our customers do expect the same product over and over again. And, and beer is, uh, it's very important to be consistent for sure. Tell me about how often you do experiment with new blends and new beers. Is it a regular continuous basis or does, an idea just hit you and you come in the next day and say, I've got this idea, now I've got to get the right hops, I've got to get the right uh, raw ingredients, and then you give it a go? Definitely. I mean, with the, the, just the fact that the ingredients themselves are constantly changing, right? Um, I tell people all the time, people ask, oh, you know, how do you change recipes? Like, I change the recipes all the time. Whether it's to keep it the same or to make it better, I have to change the recipe. If I do the same thing over and over again with different ingredients, I'm not going to get the same product. So we're constantly getting, bringing in new ingredients, evaluating them, seeing how they work in our portfolio, trying to improve uh, a constant strive for, for perfection. Um, you know, we get new hop varieties all the time. Like I've been using one that just got released a couple years ago, uh, Strata, for example, and we've been doing a lot of experimental batches with there. Just yesterday, I took the same hop variety from four different suppliers, processed at different uh, different hop pelletizing facilities, and because they're completely different. And, you know, if they're grown, if they're picked two days late, they might taste like garlic instead of citrus. You know, stuff like that happens. So it's definitely something we're constantly trying to. You know, improve on. As far as the beer, you know, we're trying to get creative. We're, we're, we like to think of ourselves as artists at the end of the day. So it's as much technical as it is an artistic kind of creative process. Any thoughts of aging some of your beers in old scotch barrels or bourbon barrels or maybe even some sherry or port barrels? Well, we actually do all that. And actually, you're going to get to taste uh, port 
cognac, Pinot de Charon. Yeah, we're going to go all out. So one of the things you'll see with this industry and, and multiple industries, so by law, bourbon has to be aged to be bourbon in a brand new American oak charred barrel. Right. So, and it can't be reused. So there's a massive surplus of bourbon barrels. So brewers, scotch makers, tequila makers, everybody's using bourbon barrels. It's, it's very common. And they're great, don't get me wrong. But, you know, I like to do, I like to give people things that they're, they're not expecting. So we do experiment with a lot of, I've, you're going to taste a beer today that had uh, 20-year-old French cognac barrels and Pinot de Charon and Sauterne barrels. Like, I'm going to have to explain that to you guys. I have a ruby port barrel stout here. Love so port. I do have port. a I do have a scotch barrel here. I'm a big, I actually probably drink more scotch than beer, don't tell anybody. But uh, yeah, I'm a big single malt scotch drinker. Um, and uh, yeah, so we definitely try and get creative with that as well. I want to go back to the four different types of hops. The same hop from four different sure. uh, vendors. Did you end up making the beer? What were the different flavor characteristics? Did you notice differences? Oh, yeah. It's, um, I was actually pretty proud of myself because uh, I did a blind tasting. So whenever we do evaluations, we always do it blind. Now, to be scientific about this, to have the truth, you need to take out all outside influence. You don't want to look at what you're tasting. So I, it's not just me. It's the whole crew that does a, a sampling. We taste it. And I take notes. and We do side-by-sides. And even though I know what the hops are in there, I have somebody else give it to me so I don't know. I was actually surprisingly able to, and I can't do it all the time, I was able to pick out which hops were which uh, for two of them at least, which is not bad um but yeah there's definitely some changes and to be honest i scrapped all four of them we're we're, we're not going to use any of them just because we were <laughs> trying to use it for a specific product but we didn't feel like it was giving us what we wanted and just for that product alone we've we've tested over two dozen hops in the past two months on the next bold alpha podcast we'll continue our conversation with mo Saudi, head brewer at tank brewing company doral florida and we will get to taste about seven or eight different magnificent beers. It's a hot day where we are right now here in Doral, and they're beautiful. Now, now it is cooler than it is outside here in the Tank Brewing Tasting Room. It's still hot in the summer, all of Florida, hot, humid. So I'm going to need a cool, refreshing libation. And on the next Bold Alpha podcast, we'll conduct some tastings of the various Tank Brewing Company beers. Reminder, Head to boldalpha.com, follow us on all our social media platforms, and please subscribe now to the Bold Alpha podcast so you never miss a minute of Bold Alpha. Go to your favorite podcast app or podcast aggregator. Alpha Dave, we will talk to you next time as we sample some incredible brews from the Tank Brewing Company. (laughs) 